We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 161 of the Beyond 90 podcast, Australia's longest running women's football podcast. Football is a simple game. It features two teams of 11 players. They run around for 90 minutes or sometimes 120 minutes. And then the French lose in the World Cup quarterfinals. How good is this? Australia's in the semis. And joining me, it's a different trio. We've had to use squad rotation deep into the tournament. So uh, Del Roots and Majelic Hart out in Lockie France and Molly Appleton. How are you two? Amazing, amazing. Right? absolutely amazing. <laughs> yes, and yeah, by the way, Lockie, the only France that we support on this podcast. But uh, Lockie will be in, I think, at some point to chat about college Matildas because, of course, um, the US college season is starting. And Molly, uh, thanks so much for joining at really short notice after people are other people are just tired from all the traveling that they've been doing recently. Fair enough, because there's still a, a bit of travel to do. But <laughs> I suppose before we get into the World Cup action, let's start with. Matilda's cap 161, Ella Mastrantonio, um, made her debut in 2008 against Japan, I think, if yep, uh, against Japan in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, seven caps for one goal, she was a midfielder, a midfield maestro, really. Her career, I mean, the start of it is basically just alternating between Perth Glory and Melbourne Victory, but then spells at Western City Wanderers, Bristol City, Lazio, Pomigliano, and then back to Perth Glory. And I think I re- most recently playing in NPL Western Australia with Subiaco, I think, I remember for some reason. But yeah, just um, how do how do we describe her? Like a midfield metronome? I just thought a, a calming presence, uh, good passer, but also when she needed to, she got her foot in there for sure. She's in fact the first player to receive a booking in W League history, which I love. And I suspect um, Molly at least loves that as well. But yeah, I suppose, oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. um, it's been a while since you've been on the pod, Molly. I think you'll go first. What are your memories of Ella? Um, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember much of her in, in a Matilda's shirt. I know she did come back in 2021 um, when we were going through our rotations and seeing... Um, where our depth depth was at, but in terms of um league play, like I, I love watching her enough that I've got a Bristol uh Bristol City Mastretonio uh jersey, which um I really I really love. Um and just yeah, just just that reliable midfield presence. Um, you know she's going to hit a pass. She can um she's got a right right range of passing and and can score a goal when when needed as well. And um her grid and dissemination to win the ball is. Um, something I favour in a player, <laughs> and it's just just playing playing good to watch. You know that um, she'll always give hundred percent on the field, and I think you know if if some things were different, if our midfield depth wasn't wasn't as deep as what it has been over the past well, ten years or so, um, she would have she would have got some more caps than what than what she's done. She's definitely one of those players that um have, have been in the conversation for a long time. Um, and probably was just just on the, on the outer of being able to crack into the Matilda squad and, and be really established and add to those those seven appearances. Uh, Lucky, yeah. is this? Uh, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I I mean, you talk about a player's grit and determination. Um, you know, to come back from what thirteen years after you make your debut and get those seven caps to get back into the Matilda squad like 13 years later, um, especially in an era where, I mean, 
you you wouldn't begrudge a player, you know, packing it up, um, you know, with, you know, the paltry wages that players had been earning through a lot of Ella's time in the dub, um, you know, to to stick at it and you know, come back after, you know, all that time. Um, I think, yeah, well, what she puts out on the field is um, born out in who she is as a person, really. Um, you know, just that determination to stick at, stick at things and, you know, to end up getting a spot overseas after all that time as well. Um, you know, getting to Lazio um, with Marache as coach. Um, yeah, as Molly said, yeah. If it, you know, we, we cry out for depth in some positions and then in other positions we've got more players than we know what to do with and sometimes mm-hmm. it just falls that way. And, you know, players who would you know, definitely be in the best 23 in the country at some points. Unfortunately, aren't in the best five or six in their position and don't get the call up. But, um, you know, LMS Antonio, yeah, absolute dub stalwart and the kind of player that, you know, keeps leagues together, um, especially in a, you know, like a, a fledgling league at the time that it was the, the W League as it was known back then. You know, it's all well and good to have your start. You've got to have those rock solid players sticking around as well. Can't just be stars and stars and kids. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. Stalwart's the great word, Lockie. And yeah, um, I think Sam Lewis said it best. We are a nation of central midfielders. So unfortunately, <laughs> Ella, one of those players that hasn't uh gotten, I think, the the caps tally that uh, uh she might have otherwise gotten if we'd had, shall we say, a different distribution of talent across mm-hmm. the field. Uh but yeah, that's uh oh by the way, she did all she did win the 2008 AFF Women's Championship with the Matildas, it has to be said. Well, I mean, we're not waiting for this any longer. Let's talk about Australia versus France in the quarterfinals. Uh, you were there, Molly? I can't I, I can't keep track of no, any of No, it's the only Matildas game that I've missed. I was with Lockie um, on the, uh, at Olympic Park with mm. the, uh, it's easy to say, I, I would say thousands. Like it yeah. was, it was packed. It was, it was super packed and just, um, if you couldn't be there, that was, I, I know there were other places to be, but that was definitely a, a great place to, to be and um, watch it with everyone. My favourite part was probably uh, we had, there were two screens and one was definitely ahead of the other. Yes. So <laughs> celebrations, the celebrations started early because we heard the other guys starting to celebrate Gordon yeah. before it even hit the back yes. of the net on our screen. Um but yeah, what I mean, what what a game really! It, it had everything, and uh, despite having no goals during regular time. Uh, yeah, I, I'd like I could echo that because I uh, also I was in amongst the massive crowd at Sydney Olympic Park. I think there were three stages because the stadium was getting it before the people outside, and then the people watching the Channel Seven screen got it like three seconds before the people watching the Optus screen. And yeah, uh, I, for me personally, I I'd hear something from the stadium. I wasn't quite sure what it was, so I'd known something was happened. Then I know because of the people to my to our side watching Channel Seven. <laughs> then I figured out what was happening. But yeah. A different was, uh, viewing experience, especially with the um the penalty off the one when Maka came off a line, and you hear the cheer, and then the cheer, and then the groan, and then the groan. And you're like, oh, 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 yeah, okay. Yes. Oh, and um, uh, twenty penalties. That's um, I, I think I I I remember recording a game once, which was thirty-two penalties, so sixteen each. So. Imagine like the first five ended up taking two penalties, but yeah, like and so that's by far the longest shootout I've watched live, and uh, just oh my goodness, um, yeah, uh, but the game before that, 
Um, I remember I was actually talking to Justin Smith, who you you know well, Lockie, and he said uh, he, the potential of extra time meant you'd probably delay Samco's introduction. Well, that was um pretty prophetic from Justin. Uh, but also, uh, just yeah, my memory's just teams taking it in turns to uh, throw their body in front of the ball and keep it out. But lo- oh, that for a game of that magnitude, that a lot of scrambles inside the penalty area, and yeah, I think it's what. Yeah, what a lot of people have said that just um, it, you don't need goals. You, goals are nice, but you actually don't need them <laughs> for entertainment. It's the song. If you got something like that, that'll that'll do nicely. Ah, uh, but yeah, just uh, well, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say this. I cried when the penalty went in. Although being you cried the because media- of who scored it. <laughs> yes, actually, you, yeah, Lockie has um, seen into my soul. Yes, I, I get. I cried because it was Courtney Vine. I wouldn't have cried if Claire Hunt penalty had gone in. I cried because it was Courtney Vine. Yes, thank you, Lockie. I would have cried if it was the Claire Hunt penalty. Yes, yes. so that yeah, so, so that balances out. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, just um, but ever the media manager that I am, I feel finished the clip um that I put on my socials. Then I started crying, and it was the ugliest cry of my entire life. And I made. A high-pitched wailing sound that I'm not able to replicate. Thank God. But um, I is this? Is, I mean, it's so stressful for everyone. Is it even worth trying to actually analyze the football at all? Or I mean, I I I remember like there were periods where we were utterly dominant, and then mm. France like it was early in the second half where we had a, too many chances. Oh my goodness! And then. France took over control of the game, and I think by the time extra time came around, I think so many players were that gassed that I don't think anyone was able to really properly dominate in large spells. Like you saw Australia get out on the counter, and players who would have been absolutely bombing forward forty minutes earlier were pulling up thirty yards, and you know, so knocking it around. To Catley. That normally she would have got in a heartbeat, but mm, she was yes. nowhere near and was just nah. sighting up. That that's it. Nah. I think yeah. uh Francis their their young substitute who missed missed the penalty, ah. which oh. for them is disappointing. But yeah. she was she was the game changer mm. for France. I'm not gonna say we would have scored if she hadn't got on, on the pitch, but um she definitely turned the momentum into France's favour from about oh, it would be the hour or seventy minute mark, like ten minutes after Kerr got on, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought thought that made a huge difference. But really, it's about the emotion of the game, isn't it? I mean, yeah. um, whilst none of us were at Suncorp, it looks like it, it went off like oh, it's, it was louder than any State of Origin yeah. match, and they get pretty loud. Yes. <laughs> and so, so that's fantastic. <clears throat> Uh, shout out to Megan who listens to this pod for making the very late decision. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Brisbane. I think she made that decision on the Friday because I know people. And yeah, her, her, she went up and she had the time of her life. Well, I mean, it was the time of her life because we won. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, unbelievable. Like, I, I, I still can't uh, describe that. And also, because of that game, I now am not really capable of describing in detail the game I actually had tickets for, England 2, Colombia 1. I loved your tweet, Lockie. Um, so weird seeing seeing um, people go into a, a game this big when uh, when 80% of them, their team's already won. It's just, I was, and remember, like, Justin and I, we just, we couldn't, anal- we couldn't pay attention to England, Colombia. Just, it was, it was beyond us. But 
Also, speaking of loud, ah, the Colombians. Um, they were they were louder than the Brazilians at Suncorp, and that was very loud in and of itself. But Melbourne in Melbourne, the Colombians in the smallest stadium. <laughs> oh my my favorite game I've gone to um, in terms of atmosphere um, and not having to be up on my feet myself with Matilda's active is getting mm. to sit down and just listen to the Colombians at, at Melbourne, and I wasn't sure how it would play out in Sydney because obviously it's a lot it's a lot bigger stadium it's a lot more open um than than Amy Park mm. um but they they were fantastic weren't they I think they were a bit nervous come the second half but mm. um they still they made a great sound at the end even though they, they'd lost like it was just phenomenal I mean that was the third Columbia match I've been to this World Cup um so first one I went to was Columbia Korea Republic. Um, so I think they only got they only got twenty. I say only, but twenty five thousand fans to Columbia Korea Republic is still an insane number. And they well, were loud. Friday, wasn't it? Pardon? Yeah. That was yeah. Oh, that lunch, was a midday kickoff. Yeah, yeah. No, like that. Yeah. Yeah, with, uh, so, with Del Roots doing his job from the yes. stadium. <laughs> so they were loud enough then. Then Germany Columbia oh. at the SFS was just next level. Um, and just, I mean, the German fans were in fairly good voice as well, but the Colombians were on another level. And then for that, uh, that game on Saturday night, it just went, um, yeah, above and beyond anything I've seen. And yeah, just, um, I was lucky enough to be, uh, amongst a, a lot of Colombians. I, um, didn't hear as much swearing in Spanish as I thought I was going to. So I, I suppose that's a plus, <laughs> but, um, yeah, just. I, yeah, I know they took the lead. I mean, I've, I mean, stating the obvious that the English equaliser just before halftime was the killer, but I thought, I don't know, I thought England were good value for the win. They were just better with the ball throughout, yeah. And it was a lot of Colombian hanging on, but I mean, they had their, they had their spectacular goal. And uh, I, I feel sorry for Catalina Perez, who's been so good in this tournament, and then just there was an error and then an injury, so she couldn't even really make up for it. Yeah. But yeah, actually, they had two injuries because they had to sub the fullback. Yes, yeah, on, they so. had two injuries in the what the first half, wasn't it? Like, yeah. yes, um, definitely didn't help them. No, yeah, um, so yeah, but, on to oh, sorry, no, keep going. Worth making mention that University of North Carolina's own oh, Alessia yes. Russo scored yeah. goal. What a finish! Just <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, your own manifestation with your tie heel scarf, it came true, and yes, it. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yes. Let, let's hope that's that's enough of that, Alessia. There's no need for you to score any more goals. No, I no, I'm good. good. I've had yeah, my yeah, fill. Uh, yep, yep. She's uh, running out of goals anyway. It's yeah, fine. She's, she's, she's fine, got a fine. couple yeah, so now. It's okay. It's like, like save them for Arsenal. It's that's fine. <laughs> we don't. And on to, I don't. Uh, it's a bit tricky when I'm trying to when one of these uh, cup quarterfinals was when I was supposed to be working, but <laughs> Spain to Netherlands one and uh. Yeah, what's her name? Stephanie van der Vaart being at the center of everything, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, don't know what she was thinking oh. on the penalty. Oh my goodness, that's throwing that, your hand out like that. Yeah, that's it. I needed to look at second. I just the first time I saw it, I didn't fi- couldn't figure out what had happened because I just assumed no one would stick their hand out in that situation. But it was just like <laughs> then I saw the slow mo replay. Oh yeah, there was a handball. I don't. I don't know. Like, well, but, even the commentator said, yeah, that's surely that's well out of the box, just a free kick, if anything. <laughs> and then it went to VAR and it was like, oh, wait, hang on. Her arm's actually in the box. Oh, and then, 
but good to see chucking a defender up front when you need to go actually does work sometimes. Who'd have thought uh, that it wasn't it wouldn't be the aerial ball as well? Yeah, it was just yeah. <laughs> Cause when I saw the finish, I'm like, oh, that's the that's the defender that has absolutely smashed it in like an experienced center forward. Oh, well done. Also, so our, our, new, our new strategy should be through balls to Alana Kennedy in the 93rd ah, minute. Yes, there we go. Oh well, there we go. That's that's something Tony Gustafson can work on. <laughs> but yeah, just I mean, I think something similar to um, England, Colombia. Like Netherlands did well, but you know, Spain just always had that. Always looked at the edge. That oh god, that Spanish winner from from a substitute as well. Just um, it it was weird because it came off a Dutch counter attack, and as and and then suddenly it's two on two down and the other, and I'm thinking this is a good game management. Spain had any composure. Yeah. I don't think the Netherlands were in it the first half, and then suddenly yeah. they woke up. Mm. A bit later, but yeah, Beeston had a couple of chances. I know the US, uh, the USA guys were were laughing a bit because of the the comments that Beeston had said earlier yeah. in in the week about mm. the US leaving and mm-hmm. and um whatnot. But yeah, like she had a couple of good chances, probably similar to to Mary Fowler. But Beeston is probably it's definitely more experienced and should have buried at least at least one of those yeah. chances for for the Netherlands. But yeah, just gone blank. Oh yeah, Salma Paruelo. Um, just the move on the edge of the box. Oh, that's sublime. Just little shimmy. You're in space, and I think yeah, just a completely unsavable shot. Actually, they both Spanish goals went in off the post, didn't they? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But not like, not you know, weird bounces off the post kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. they were, yeah, yeah, great. Very much off the inside of the post yeah. and in. Yeah. yeah, and then um. I don't know. I I was shocked, but also pleased by this one. Japan won Sweden two and Golden Boot or Golden Forehead, whatever you want to call it. Amanda Illichet scoring again. Although I think this one was actually with a feet. So I suppose now she can. We can call her the Golden Boot if she ends up winning it because she's got <laughs> she's got one with the foot feet. But yeah, just oh, this World Cup. I I don't know how to explain it really. But yes, uh, Sweden. They've. The defending in set pieces doesn't go out of style, I suppose. No. <laughs> I mean, um, that's the best Sweden I think have, have looked all tournament was was against Japan, and Japan went in it till the last twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, that looks like they could have come back to to equalise <laughs> yes. with twenty minutes. You know, give give them give them credit yeah. where, where credit's due. Two two nils a dangerous scoreline. Um, but but Sweden looked really good, and if they continue to look like that, you know they're going to be really difficult to beat over the next game or two. Yeah, uh, I think it, it's 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 a good tournament setup. We saw that with Canada at the Olympics, just being difficult to beat. It, it doesn't mm. doesn't I think doesn't necessarily work in league play where people can scout you and figure it out. But in the shorter run of a tournament, it's yeah we, we've seen that a bunch of times in both women's and men's football. So I suppose that's the segue to the semis. Um, So Tuesday and Wednesday, Spain versus Sweden and Australia versus England. And amidst all the chaos, it took me ages to realize Sweden beating Japan meant we'd have a first-time winner of the World Cup. So I was a bit slow to that one. But (laughs) uh, Spain versus Sweden. Um, I remember having discussions, at least from the Australian perspective, you want Sweden to win, but they thought, Sweden's a better matchup for Australia than Spain is. Oh, actually, no, 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 my bad. He said it. He said, actually, what he was saying was um, Australia would just sit deep against Spain. He was worried about England against Spain because England would try to play football and then just not be able to do it as well as Spain. So he, he actually 
thinks it doesn't matter as much for the Matildas. But I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Because I'm worried about Spain, to be honest. No, I mean, it, it feels like Spain are doing it in spite of their coach a yeah. little bit. Yes. And I don't mean in spite of his ability as a coach to set them up. That's a separate discussion. Mm. But in spite of their opinions of their own coach. Ah, yes. That's, yeah. I suppose yes. that's... Um... And that is a a difficult vibe for an opposition to get past is the sheer anger and determination to get things done. Um, yeah. But, you, I mean... Yes, uh, as you said, yes, yeah, Spain, Spain will come out and try to play football. Well, they will do very well at playing football. Um, Sweden, um, you mentioned set pieces. Um, I mean, they'll be very dangerous there as always. Um, and yeah, if they they just need to remain difficult to beat. Um, Feel like Spain will be tougher than Japan. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Japan. I don't know, maybe it's something to do with how they went against Spain with you know twenty three percent possession and four goals. <laughs> yes, that's but I don't know if they seem too too willing to absorb at times because yeah. they know they can like rip people like that, just rip other teams if they absorb pressure and you know demolish them at the other end. Um. Yeah, it's. I mean, I. I would rather Sweden in it, check the scarves, and hey. I think I'd rather the Matildas play Sweden as well. To be honest, yeah. Right. Even if Sweden are on the live rankings, the world number one team. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so good to have you here for the live <laughs> FIFA Women's National Team rankings. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so, as I've often said. Uh, Lockie, the only man who actually understands how they work. But... And the only person who cares at the moment because they're so out of whack. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's that's something. I'll, I'll be go heading off to the live side of Tumbalong Park in Sydney. And uh, yes, uh, I will once again take my favorite position between a big screen and the food stalls. So I can get food without missing too much of the action. Now, of course, onto the one we're all keen for. Uh, Australia versus England. And thanks to Cheryl for pointing out it'll be Katrina Gorry's 100th cap. So, because apparently it wasn't a big enough occasion, so we had to make it even bigger. Oh, goodness me. Um, yeah, I just now I'm now I now I get to stress about England, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, um, I don't mind this matchup compared to. If if we'd come up against Spain or Sweden, um, which is, mm. is an odd thing to say, because um, I mean for me it means I've at least got one team to go for in the finals. Um, mm. But I think that um, England, whilst they've looked good, I don't think they've quite hit their stride. Mm. Um, and without Lauren James, I think they relied a lot on Lauren James during the group stage. Mm -hmm. Um, they couldn't find a way against Nigeria until you know it took penalties. I know we took penalties against France, but I think we looked better than what England did against Nigeria. Um, and I just, yeah, I don't think I think England are capable of finding their stride and capable of 
of, of finding something. But I think we're we're really comfortable with teams moving the ball around the way that mm-hmm. England do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think whilst they'll probably outnumber us in the midfield, that's not really been a problem with with Mini and um, Cooney Cross uh, in there. I think. Um, you know, I think there's there's a really good chance that we can we can um get up against them, and I think that's if you, if you're looking at the draw, I'd, I'd prefer England at the moment than than Spain or, or Sweden. Mm. I think just just based on form, I'm not taking anything away from their win against Colombia. I think obviously they they did really well to beat a team that's really up and about. Um, but yeah, England um don't have a good track record in the semi-finals either. So hopefully that can kind Jeez. of high on their mind a bit and they can just lose another one like yeah but um, i'm happy i'm so happy with that just remember let's let's give them a three strikes you're out yes Um, love your thinking just remember zero previous semi-finals means zero losses so i think we're looking (laughs) good the history's on our side (laughs) oh god i i also love molly that that you think you have a team you know that we're not guaranteed to have a team to go for because if there's two people on this planet who could just randomly pick a national team to support at any time <laughs> it's us yes i mean yeah i mean uh just uh, this is true yes i know and i don't know if i can't remember if i've mentioned earlier on earlier podcast the eric subihano merchandise curse so i've merchandised for seven nations and six of them got knocked out in the group stages <laughs> well i'm not so... allowed to say someone's going to win the world cup because i did that for germany and brazil <laughs> and then um i may have tweeted when i wanted columbia to to not win um after the opening goal going they deserve to win the world cup <laughs> and yeah no, i'm not allowed to <laughs> yes yeah I, I i'm like that as well but i mean i suppose yeah, just so Australia, the the final hope for not Europe, and another. I suppose I I don't know if that means anyone anyone outside of Europe actually cares about us, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Well, We're I don't think I I don't think most of Europe really wants England to win either. So this is a very good point. I mean, to England, let, 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 not that we should delve into this topic too much, but England doesn't really think want to be part of Europe apparently. So um, yeah. Let's delve into Brexit. We've got hours, don't we? <laughs> <That's>, um, <laughs> I, 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 let's not. I, I struggle with the topics I'm allegedly an expert on. Uh, so, uh, just, I don't know. I mean, it's okay if we don't have any thoughts on this, but Cheryl, I think she wanted us to talk about uh, prize money on offer for the Women's World Cup. I mean, better, but still not as much as the men's. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, but I I, I do hope this actually gets to the players because uh, it's been a long-standing issue in women's football. But uh, they're they're making it better, I suppose, FIFA. Mm. But eh. yeah, well, yes, I think the as you said, the money getting to the players is the uh, the first issue before yeah. we um, talk about the distribution. Um, it just feels like a very vibes-based distribution of money from FIFA. Mm. Like they decide this is how much prize money there's going to be, yeah. and this is how much it is. Um, you know, it doesn't feel very dependent on yes anything really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's well. Let's just hope it gets to everyone. Uh yeah. Well, Blocky's here for a reason. I think we'll make him wait no longer. <laughs> College Matildas for 2023. Uh this this is your time to shine and hope. I, I'm 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 going to have heard of some of these players. So, uh, hope, is there are there any Tasmanians for Molly? That's my first question. There is 
one Tasmanian NCAA Division One this season because, um, of course, Amy Medwin wrapped up her college career last year. So just the just the one Tasmanian, uh, Madison Chambers at Alabama State University. That's right. Yeah. Um, yes, but uh, so she's one of forty-one players this year. So Ooh. I say forty-one. Uh, probably still need to do another mm. roster sweep on Wednesday night or Thursday night before games start. But we'll call it forty-one for now. Um, that's a record number in at least the time I've been covering it. I don't imagine there were more prior to that. So 41 overall, but the biggest off-season news is uh, no more Amy Sayer at Stanford. Mm. So I messaged Amy uh, the other day and she said, I've decided to graduate really early so I can go pro ASAP. Goodness me. So we've got the combination of what? Second last cut for the Matildas. Mm able to graduate really early from Stanford University doing a double major of human biology and philosophy. And that's too much talent for one person. It It's, yeah, her and BD Goad. It's, I don't understand it one little bit. Um, So, yeah, her, what was it? Her ATAR was 99 point something, right? And so... Uh, no, I think it was 9.5. 9.5. And yeah. it was, oh my God. It was like, I went to, I went to school with a bunch of um, high academic achievers and the people I, I went in that range studies all they did then they could they did there wasn't really time for anything else but but i suppose amy sayer is different to pretty much everyone else on the planet i yeah how you could yeah as you said Lockie, how you can do that and be not just a decent athlete but a proper elite athlete that could you know go travel around the world playing her chosen sport that's mm. amazing yeah. and yeah. yeah. So I, Amy's gone, but um still um some big names. Um of course uh reigning player of the year, Katie Godden, transferred from DePaul to Oregon State, um originally originally from um Arsenal Academy. So but so oh, that's uh, right, Katie Godden Gordon was uh, grew up in England, right? That's right. Yes, yes. Um uh, Eliza Amendolia at Hawaii, always a uh, big performing player over there. Uh, Greta Cusula is still at VCU with your mate Carly Frillis. Yeah, my mate Carly Frillis. She was my mate, uh, except for that time she scored a match-winning double against Manly. But other than that, she's my mate. <laughs> um, a few other players, uh, Claire Farrington, ex-Brisbane Raw, Abby Burns, ex-Adelaide United. Uh, Bronte Peel uh, from Maitland. Uh, so she ex finished ex all emerging jets. Yes, finished all conference last year in the Ohio Valley, playing for Little Rock. And player I'm really intrigued to watch this year is Molly Aaron's because she had three goals and seven assists in nine games last season, and then broke her leg. Yeah. So she was she was probably leading the player of the year race um, last year. So she plays down in Corpus Christi, a Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Um, Ward Island is actually a peninsula because uh, they're, their campus is on Ward Island, which is a peninsula down in Corpus Christi, and they are called the Islanders. But what I'm finding interesting is the growth in players from WA. So there's actually eight players from Western Australia now over in college, which is more than any state except New South Wales. And that's just in Div 1. Um, so I'm not sure what the pathway is like over in WA, you know, if players are looking for more opportunities, of course, you know, they've only got 
one dub team, but then again, so does South Australia and they've, you know, doing pretty well to hang on to a lot of, you know, Adelaide's top players. Um, so I'm not sure what the goal is there, but um, yeah, W it's it, also, it's an extra, you know, five hour flight over to the States from, you know, oh. Sydney. So I'm not surprised that, you know, New South Wales has 15 players, but you know, WA has eight, South Australia five, Victoria four, Queensland the ACT three apiece. Um, well, one of those Queenslanders is Katie Godden, so Queensland really two. Uh, the single Tasmanian, two players born in the US. Um, hey, what also I am kind of looking at is of the players in we only have three players in the top five conferences now um and they're all international born players so the two us players and godden are the only three players playing in the top five leagues so that's the lowest number in a long long time like we've had higher numbers than that when we've had like 25 players over in college mm. so perhaps we're getting to a point where your elite players are you know the dub is becoming a lot more of a, you know, the shift is well and truly pro pro staying in A-League women's because it's becoming more feasible, especially we've just had this new CBA where the salary cap, hmm. salary cap, but also the salary floor have yes. both gone up 20%. Hmm. So those players on the end of the roster are now actually getting get paid, you know, probably not good coin, but at least, you know, serviceable coin for the, you know, seven months that they're with the team or however long it is going to be. Yep. And college is starting to look more like a a pathway more for your NPL players that aren't quite nudging um, A-League women's spots. Um, like you look at the, the freshmen this season, um, I guess Meg Roden, Young Matilda, Canberra Academy. Yep. But... Uh, None of the others have really spent a whole, maybe around A-League women's rosters, but never really with a squad. So, yeah, interesting. And it's also a lot smaller freshman class this year than it was um, than it was last year because well, I think we've got 15 players in their second year this year. So, um, uh, huge change there. But it all kicks off on Friday morning at 3 a.m. Um, I'm not even sure I'll be getting up for that one because there's going to be games throughout the day. Um, so 12-week season, 12-week regular season, 41 players. Um, it's going to be lots of games. Most teams will play two games a week, so probably they end up playing 19 to 20 games depending on conference tournaments. Um, and the biggest news of all is College Matildas has gone on tour. Oh yes, you are. You you have mentioned that. Um, going to Alabama State, of course. Yes, of course you are. Yes. Um. Yeah, so I'll be going on tour, watching a few players. Um, so that should be fun. Um, but yeah, so sorry for a big season, tenth season of CollegeMatildas.com this year. So, um, yeah, I've been doing this a while. Um, I did neglect to mention um a couple of players because there's especially um Holly Furphy young Matilda I think played in that Australia B team that was kind of like an under 23 team that 
Yeah, I think so. You're that right. had a couple of overage players because I think yep. Crummer was part of it mm. as well. Um, so she started for Santa Clara last season. And at that time, Santa Clara were defending national champions. And she started the first five games and then did her ACL. But she is back for this season with Santa Clara. Um, very, very intrigued to watch how she goes because if you can come straight into a program like that, I know they've lost players to the NWSL, but still, if you can come into the defending national champions as a freshman from overseas mm. and start straight up, she is going to be one very, very interesting player to watch at her conference, actually all games live and free. So she's awesome. going to be one of the easier ones to watch as well. Um, all the info... Uh, it's over on collegematildas.com. Um, I'm actually going to try and get out a list of how you can watch every every league. A lot of them are unfortunately on ESPN Plus now, which isn't available in Australia. Um, but those that are, a lot, a, a lot, a lot of it, if it's available, it's free, which is good. So, um, yeah, should be an excellent season. And I mean, I say 41 players, but there's probably we're probably nudging a hundred if you look through all divisions this year. So, and I mean, you've probably seen Eric, especially in Sydney. I don't know Molly, what it's like where you're based, but um, the recruiting service business is Ah, booming. It is, it is booming quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially uh, in the part of Sydney where I work. Where, yes, you know, on the north Sydney, on the north Sydney, side of Sydney. Yeah, there's Sydney's northern beaches, the lower and upper North Shore. They uh they love, they 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 love the thought of their kids going off to college. So uh yeah, lots of lots of um former Manly United and uh, former Northern Tigers youth players. Definitely. Yeah, so uh three former Mariners, Central Coast Mariners, two former Manly United, two former Northern Tigers in D1 alone. Yep. And I think one of those Mariners players actually also spent time with Tigers. Um, Emma Bates. She did indeed. Yeah. So Northern Tiger. Yep. (laughs) Yes. So, and then a sprinkling of players from various other clubs, but like even the players from, you know, Institute could very well be from Northern suburbs as well. Yeah. That, and yeah, the Northern Tigers actually have recently been sending a lot of players to football New South Wales Institute. So mm-hmm. that's quite likely. Also, the other thing, and it's something that I've seen this season that is something I hadn't seen since before COVID is um, the presence of Americans uh, scouting at NPL games. And that's like big 2018, 19 memories for me. So a sign that nature is healing if the <laughs> yes. Americans are at NPL Women's New South Wales once again to check out players. Uh, well, uh, good times. I mean, it, it's... It's nice when there's a World Cup here and, you know, you can bring yeah. your entire team over for a Women's World Cup trip and then go and scout a few players in the process. Yes. Um, and interestingly, um, Upper 90 College have actually signed uh, a deal with or an agreement with Central Coast Mariners to be their official recruiting service provider for players who want to go to college. So, uh, you know, Mariners, I guess, I guess if you're in a team with an academy, you can't funnel everyone into your A-League women's oh, team. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, if you can give them another pathway, another elite pathway that especially Mariners Academy is still in League One women. So there's yes. going to be players wanting to um you know move on. I mean, it's it's good business for you as well. If you have an 18-year-old player and she's like, I'm too good for League One, I love the club, but I can't stick around. If you can nudge her and say, Why don't you try college? She comes back in four years. 
if Mariners are in NPL and they've got the A-League women's team, maybe she isn't lost to Northern Tigers or Manly United for the rest of her career. So that is a very good point. And of course, um, especially because uh, League One women's for the initiated uh, second women's second tier in New South Wales is called League One. Don't ask me why, but uh, they're in a hot uh, promotion battle with uh, University of New South Wales. So definitely not guaranteed, despite the A-League backing that Central Coast Mariners will earn promotion. But uh, that's a, a question for the end of the season, uh, which is in <laughs> a couple of weeks. But yeah, you mentioned uh, the salary cap. So yeah, would love yours and, uh, and Molly's thoughts as well. Because um, there was... Uh, what stood out for you in terms of what was released this week with the upgrades to the CBA, Molly? I'm trying to remember. I need the list in front of me. Um, I think... You want me to quickly send you the article? <laughs> <laughs> um, let me let me have a, have a, a quick peek again. Um, I mean, the big thing for me is is the New Zealand players. Um mm. I think it's a long time coming. It should have, it should have been sorted before the first kick for Wellington that the New Zealand players weren't part of their. I think it was their foreign caps or whatever, and that they had to supplement their squad with with Australians. Um, you know, we saw New Zealand at the World Cup. They could have made the round of sixteen if Switzerland weren't so boring. Um, and um, I think that you know Wellington. Have, have made some really great strides and um, look really exciting, but they need to be able to have that New Zealand core and, and not have to be, mm-hmm. you know, hand tied with which Kiwi players they can they can have. So I think that's that for me is really exciting. Um, seeing how the scholarship players um, play into it and so hopefully that um, I think what have they done? The scholarship players will also be extended. Uh, will be excluded from the salary cap. So hopefully that means that some more formal pathways can be put in place for, for all clubs, not just clubs that can afford it. Um, so I think I think that's also something that's that's exciting. There's obviously, um, and that feeds into the youth development players of the introduction of four youth development players um, with, with academies becoming more of a thing. I think, you know, um, on a whole, all those three things, the New Zealand one and the scholarships and, and, and youth development players all feed into the growth of the game in, in our region, whether that's Australia and that's Australia and New Zealand. Um, so I think, I think that's really, really exciting and um, the things the things that I like out of it. I, I'm I'm very glad that the uh, salary floor is tied, well, at least appears to be tied to the salary cap. They've increased both. Um, because I know, I'm not sure if I'm getting my WNBL and W League mixed up, but I remember in at least one of the leagues, the very early CBAs, the salary floor was just the minimum wage times twenty. Yes, so that was yes. There, there was no point having a salary floor because you had to pay each player that amount anyway. Yeah. So, um, the fact that they've upped it to be it's what five six, so it's five hundred thousand minimum 600,000 maximum plus your marquee spot. So, yeah, because, I mean, you as far as players staying in Australia goes, um, you know, it's not your, it's not your Courtney Vine kind of players that you're going to be worried about losing to the game or to other sports. It's your players who are getting paid, you know, pittance, mm-hmm. whom, you know, 
we know AFLW loves a poach. Mm. Um, NRLW even has uh, yes. grabbed a couple in recent years. Big Sheridan shout out to Gallagher. Sheridan Gallagher and Casey Dumont, by the way. Yes. Uh, but Sheridan Gallagher is absolutely killing it. But yeah, it's so, if, you know, you force the clubs to pay those lower level players more. Um, not lower level, but, you know, the lower tier players more than they are. Um, you know, they're more likely to stay with the sport. And it's, you know, football's a hot ticket at the moment, but it's still an incredibly competitive landscape out there for four players yeah, amongst, yeah. you know, all the winter codes, really. Yep. And because as we've seen, I think with a few of the feature Matildas over the time that we've been doing that, uh, good at more than one sport. So important to secure your talent. Because if you're good, yeah, if you're good at one sport, you're probably good at a few others. Um so that's things I'd like to know more detail on. Uh, there was the mention uh, of a secondary roster to enable clubs to recruit more players and provide more opportunities in A-League women. So I don't know if that ends up being like the training squad in the NFL, where it's just um, players that have some Could kind of be, Could you almost say that Western United have done the template with that, with being so closely linked with their NPL team? Colder. Uh, I suppose yeah. the Jets and different teams Jets could, could Jets. that as well, but particularly, yeah. Yeah. I think they've made that really obvious with how they've come up with yeah. that connection with Calder. Yeah, yeah, there's also Canberra United Academy, of course, in NPL Capital mm. Football. Uh, the Wellington Wellington Phoenix has an academy. Um, oh, I've forgotten the other team, but oh, Central, oh, Central Coast Mariners, of course, coming back in that have um, and Jets, uh, and Jets I think yeah. definitely. Yeah, Jets. Ah, uh, just the other interesting one, uh, the introduction of youth development players for the clubs to register up to four of them, the aim to bring through more young talent and provide a better pathway as more academies are introduced by clubs. Again, something I'd like to know more detail on. Yeah, then... yeah. It's funny you say this. I'm I'm seeing this like secondary roster, scholarship players, youth development players. Like what, what do they all mean? Yes. Because like, obviously, honestly, like your scholar, are your scholarship players going to be like your... Um, kind of like your NPL signing, like the A-League men had back in the day like when mm-hmm. Sydney FC signed Alex Mullen at cut price on the salary cap. Yep. So or are they different where they're going to be older players or are they just still going to be young players? Is there any kind of, um, you know... What are the rules? Rest- yeah, there? what are the restrictions on scholarship versus youth development kind mm-hmm. of thing? Um, can youth development players play in the league, or do they have? Um, was it the who was the Melbourne Victory player? Was it was it Breeders who was only able to play five games or something? Well, that's the, that's the thing. It uh, I it's hard to get actual details, but a scholarship deal was maximum of five appearances. If you made the six, I think automatically upgraded to a full contract. And that hence a great frustration to me to see Sienna Savesco on a scholarship deal mm. continually coming on in the ninety second minute. Yes, <laughs> like. <laughs> Feel like you might want to start her if it's only going to be five appearances, but and then yeah, like fifty-five minutes or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's so. Yeah, rules around that and the actual yeah, as as they say, it's a cliche, but the devil's in the detail. So, would um love to know more. You know what else I'd like more detail on the schedule because it <laughs> starts in two months. Yeah, I'd, I'd like that to, too. I'd love to plan away trips. Um, I just uh, I I've got the taste of the World Cup in day trips. I want to plan it around a footy game. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I would like to plan it something around my birthday as well, but um, especially 
especially because it's on a Monday, I also have a work Christmas thing on the Friday before my birthday, which is going to lead to the messiest weekend of my entire life. But that's this another is story. I work remotely. I don't need to do any Christmas parties. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. I, I, I've just and um, yeah, I've just um, yeah, because I'm back in an office after working remotely for quite some time. Just of not related to football, but now I realise the dangers sometimes that come with working with actual people now. But anyway. <laughs> Oh dear. Um. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Molly, because you're on. Uh, you had some news down from Tasmania, of course. Because I do like to yeah, nickname Tasmania. you. I'm Tasmania's premier football analyst, so you might as well do what. The I'm a bit behind. Says. I'm a bit behind this season. Um, but South Hobart, um, have wrapped up the championship. Uh, it's a few few weeks early. Um, but from what what I've been told is. Uh, you know, they, they just set the standard all season. I think they've been in and about the last few seasons, recruiting really well, getting getting some different coaches in as well. Um and just yeah, they've got they've got some really great players that, that have played um in, in the Victorian MPL as well. And I think don't know if they've got some Queensland MPL players that they've had, but um they've they've just recruited really well. They've really wanted the title for a few years and and they've finally got it. Um yeah, I think Lottie United had a bit of struggles throughout the season. They would have been one of their closer competitors. Um, Clarence Severus, I haven't seen them, but I know that they have um, had a changing off the guard over the last few seasons. So I dare say that's why they've been off the pace. And Devonport's not quite hit their stride like they did last season with with the tighter title race. So, yeah, it's all, all wrapped up down there. Um, but I'm sure there's still plenty of good football football to come out of out of tassie yeah and uh i don't know while we're on the the state stuff uh blocky uh i still have to watch the footage but <laughs> Elora stingrays in ninth place down three nil to the league leaders up your like and one four three so where where we are sometimes the best football team in the league. Yes, we are sometimes, but not on the weekend. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, Just, uh, I um, uh, yeah, I mean so... that that is huge for two. Right, that is huge for both ends of the table. Yep, yep. So um, as because uh, football news stuff, Wales, we love making things more complicated than they need to be. Our promotion relegation is decided by a club championship. We're too good to decide it by just first grade results. So uh, we take into account first grade reserves and 18s. But the point is, Stingray's at the bottom. So a, a big and unexpected first grade win, which um, has uh, going to scare the living daylights out of Blacktown Spartans, Manly United, Sydney Olympic and Bankstown City. But the at the top of the table, as Lockie was referring to, the gap between Arpia Leichhardt and MacArthur Ams now only one point with three games to go. Well, yes. Um, and also I, I did commentary for Tigers versus Spartans, uh, on the weekend and Isabel Gomez, as in the Sapphire Cup semi-final against Ravens, absolutely ran the show. She's like impossible to get past if you're an attacker. She's also like razzling, dribbling past defenders. She's playing 50 yard switches of play, uh, like a sub one signer, please for the dub and then starter. And, uh, it'll be, well, I know who it is, but that's not the point. Just <laughs> something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and, um, also, because uh, Cheryl, I think she, as, as as is her right, wanted us to talk about, you know, the cup action in in um, uh, Victoria. So uh, Call the United has won the Nike Cup, uh, defeating Bulling Lions by two goals to nil. So a victory 
And um, another of Polydoran's former clubs, Essendon Royals, uh, they won the Nike Community Cup, defeating Casey Comets 4-3 on penalties. Oh, so, so you're, you're saying an Essendon team can win a final? Uh, apparently, apparently it's possible. <laughs> ah. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, and good to see. And um, in case people are wondering about the um, inaugural Sapphire Cup final for football New South Wales women's teams, they're still confirming the details. Uh, we think it'll be next month, though. Um, so yeah, on to, um, uh, yes, the, the, everyone's favorite part of the pod, Queens, Kings, and Vampers of the Week. So, uh, we'll get, uh, Cheryl, in, uh, just in case, uh, Lockie and Molly need a little bit more time to think, I'll talk about Cheryl's, an obvious choice, but also a great one to two brilliant choices, Sarah Walsh and Anne Odong. If, I mean, just perhaps for the newer ones, Anne Odong is basically, the reason we have, we're hosting the Women's World Cup in the first place, let's be honest. So would, couldn't have done it without her after her brilliant work with the bids. And uh, Cheryl has um, included, uh, I think, was that, that's, oh, this is the social media platform I don't use. This is this looks like LinkedIn, but uh, Sarah Walsh posting about uh, former Mil- Matilda, of course. Yeah, just uh, about all her emotions, um, but just uh, talking about, the unfairness on women's sport have the un, being unfairly asked to meet the traditional metrics set by men's sport with a hundred years less investment. But she speaks about the strategy and decision making and how uh, they're trying to uh, yeah build uh, women's sport and make sure that this um, World Cup isn't just a sugar hit that there's an actual legacy. And good to hear Football Australia being big on the legacy. Now, uh, Molly, do you have a selection for uh, this week? I mean, the most obvious, I think, has to go to Mackenzie Arnold, the mm-hmm. Great Wall of Australia, <laughs> um, to to stand up and be a goalkeeper through through that is, is a tough thing. To save as many as she did is ridiculous. To go up on the fifth kick and to take it and then still bounce back and, yeah. you know, end up on the winning team uh, through saves, not just, not mm. just, not just misses. Um, I think it's just just unreal. I think um, you know, obviously, there's there's been question marks over the last two three years of whether whether Macca would be our number one. Um, you know, she's got stiff competition, particularly from Tegan Micah, and then the experience of of Lydia Williams. But I think you know, there's there's no one else you'd you'd trust for the rest of this World Cup. Like I think um, she was just incredible and deservingly is getting all the praise and front front page of newspapers and, and whatever else I think um she's just yeah um has bounced back from any shaky moment that she's had during the World Cup and and you know um done done so much and is a major reason why we're why we're heading to the semi-final. I mean you look at Macca eight years ago in Canada, Bree Davy gets left out because both herself and Lydia Williams had injury problems. Pluck Melissa Barbieri, then Bubs gets the start over Macca, who, for all intents and purposes, until that day was the second choice goalkeeper behind Lids, who was not able to play because she was injured. You know, from getting, you know, gazumped by the player, getting the last last minute call up to pulling that off in front of 50,000 people on your home home turf. Yeah. Career trajectory, you know, career arc. Amazing. 
Yeah. I just love that this club form that she's had for a few seasons and everyone's watched her. Is it West Ham? I'm getting yeah, West Ham. Yeah, West, yeah. West Ham are posting about her, so I assume she's coming back. They wear the same colours. Yeah. Um, but West Ham, is, they've gone, oh, she's amazing, she's amazing, she's amazing. And it's just finally she's getting confidence in the Matilda's shirt and it's only up from here and it's been bloody wonderful. And uh, Lockie, who have you chosen? I, I think you should go next, Eric, because I know who you're going to pick and I'll okay. let you gush. Okay, we'll actually have two. So I'll get the slightly less obvious one out of the way, which is Polly Doran. Uh, and me and Victory Vikings call her the world's greatest right back, but she's signed on for another year with Crystal Palace. And yes, of the, the most obvious queen of the week I've done I ever. Courtney Vine, uh, shout out to the real ones that remember her at Brisbane Raw and Newcastle Jets. And it just so good that i'm so happy that she was able to have her time in the spotlight after taking you know i think a longer path to the matildas than uh, a lot of her squad mates but yeah just um yeah, that from watching her tear it up at sydney university five mm-hmm. years ago and that now she's she's done that and you know and she held a nerve when it mattered when others had not and we're in the world cup semi-finals so i still, uh, I still remember going to a wanderers pre-season game and Courtney i remember against calder united i was yeah I and, was you were, and you were going she's 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 the player to she, she's and i'm like oh her first touch is whatever whatever you know you're like no 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 courtney vine like it's been excellent this season yeah. and um, but it was a little bit early it turns out she had to go to sydney fc yeah. <laughs> she entered the wanderers then sydney fc okay. you talk you talk about courtney vine playing for sydney uni um so i went to a game for a sydney uni game and she scored a hat trick inside the first half and i think sydney uni i think they beat spartans six nil or something but um i remember i posted on instagram the scoreboard and i tagged her and she actually liked the post and i reckon nowadays she'd get so many tags on instagram uh, she wouldn't have time to like all the posts yeah yeah <laughs> just they grow up so fast so good <laughs> yeah uh lucky do you have a queen king or the emperor of the week i have 23 queens of the week yes who are le bleu because a game like that on Saturday night doesn't happen without two teams. Mm. Um, you know, you know, if lost in all the celebration is the, you know, the Le Bleu, you know, took the game to 120 minutes, took it to 20 penalties or 10 penalties aside. And on a personal level, um, I always knew, I, I always knew I liked the French team. You know, they were always a team I kind of liked. Um, but when they ran out for the first time watching them, um, you know, I'm there in my France jersey watching Sandy Toledi after, you know, 11 years after watching an under 17 World Cup. I was just like, I just, and an increased admiration for the French national team throughout this World Cup. Because um, I'd never seen them play live until mm-hmm. this this World Cup. I didn't get to see them in, in Canada, haven't been, didn't go to the 2019 World Cup. Um, oh, yeah. Just, um, yeah. So, Messi, Le Bleu, in the worst French you will ever hear. Yes. Well, that's still better than my French, I suppose. So, <laughs> I, it's time to wrap it up because this is a, a rare early night during a World Cup for all of us, unless anyone has anything else to add. 
We're all good? Excellent. So on behalf of Lockie France and Molly Appleton, this is Eric Subihano signing off at 100, episode 161 of the Beyond 90 podcast. Time to wish you all the usual things, good vibes, great coffee, sick tattoos, razzlers, and most importantly, we hope your team has success. Unless you're English, in which case, we hope you lose on Wednesday. See you next time. Bye.